I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. Yes! Give it up for these queens. Uh, so when we conceived of this idea last year, I love the uh, I love the podcast, How I Built This. Anyone else listen to that? I love it. And so I wanted to create an opportunity for women, like Bean said, for bosses, just total badass, incredible women, to sit in front of you and tell you their stories and tell you about their lives and tell you the careers that they've built and the businesses that they've built. Because maybe not right now, because you're still in this space, but maybe tomorrow or the next day, that voice in your head is going to start creeping in and telling you all the ways and all the reasons why you can't. And you're looking at a whole lot of people who just found a way, right? So before we get into uh, our conversation, will you introduce yourself, Mally? Will you go first? Hi. Rachel Hollis lady. Yeah. They're kind of the hottest, sexiest ladies I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Just like mama. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, hi, guys. I am Mally Ronkel. I, uh, I always used to say I'm a celebrity makeup artist, mm-hmm. but um, which I was for, M for many years. But I also have a brand called Mally Beauty. <laughs> Thank you. Love you. Uh, which is a cosmetics line I started... 14, oh my gosh, 15 years ago (laughs) on QVC, which is a shopping channel. Um, But I love nothing more than creating and teaching and inspiring and really at the end of the day, just making products that make it easy for you to look fierce, fabulous, make it bulletproof. I can just say one thing. Yeah, you say whatever you want. I've been sitting out there all morning, bawling my freak, are we allowed to Yeah, yeah, sure, it's fierce. Bawling my effing eyes out. And all I can think the whole time is, honey, thank God my makeup is bulletproof. (laughs) Um, Because this one can make, I mean, right in the heart. So anyway, that's where it all started. Started from a celebrity makeup artist to creating a brand to help uh, love and inspire y'all. And that's why I'm honored. Yeah, give it up for Mally. Lisa. What's up, guys? I'm Lisa Billiou. Um, I was a housewife for eight years. I was brought up a very traditional Greek family. I was thought I was going to be a housewife and a mother. Um, I stumbled into entrepreneurship and purely by accident and took the company co-founder of Quest Nutrition. If anyone's ever had a Quest bar. Um, so took that company from zero to a billion dollars in five years. Billion. <laughs> Billion with a B. 
And we're announced as the second fastest growing company in North America. Um, we realized though that to create real impact, you can't just focus on the body, you have to focus on the mind. And so to ignore the mind was to in, uh, ignore well-being in general, because someone may grab a Quest protein bar if they're already in that space. But if you're anxious, if you have depression, you're not going to be going to the gym, you're not going to be getting um, a healthy bar. So we decided what was the answer to that, and that was empowering content. So my husband and I started a company called Impact Theory, which this woman was on. If you haven't seen the interview, go check it out. Um, and we took that company from zero to over three million um, people in our ecosystem within two and a half years. <laughs> Thank you. That's all. That's all. Luzma. Hi, I'm Luz Maria Doria. I came from Colombia. How many people speak Spanish here? You do? Hola, feliz de estar con ustedes. I came to this country 35 years ago. I wanted to have the life that I have now. I'm a, a, a journalist. I'm an executive producer of Despierta America, the Univision morning show. It's like, good morning, America, but we dance. <laughs> <laughs> We're Latin. And um, I became an author four years ago when I celebrated my 50th birthday because I wanted to be a journalist, but I was full of fears. And I thought that success was the privilege of someone else, that I, I, that I won't, wouldn't be able to make it. So I, read, I, I wrote a book called La Mujer de Mis Sueños, The Woman of My Dreams, because, because I became the woman of my dreams. Mm. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I should be sitting there. I was Rachel fan. Three months ago, I, 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 read, I read their books. I also, my, my last book that I was published last year, I wore sneakers because she was wearing a sneaker in the cover of my book. I didn't know her. I didn't know her. Two, three months ago, yeah. we met in Miami. Yeah. One month ago, I was sick. I have a virus. I was in bed. I opened my Instagram account, and I found a text message from her inviting me to be here. Yeah. So everything is possible. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, just, and just to give you, just to give you some context if you don't understand because Lusma is being very, very humble right now. Um, imagine Good Morning America and Today Show, that kind of impact, but in Espanol. That is the level of the show that she is the executive producer of. Okay. Watch it, 7 a.m. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that is so important to me to get across to the women who are sitting in this audience today is why you should not be here. Because they have all the reasons in their head for why they are not going to be able to get to the place that they want to be. And it's really easy to see someone who is successful and go, well, yeah, but you have the finances and you have the know-how, you have the knowledge, you have the resources, but none of us started out that way. And so I would love to hear the reason you should not be in this chair. Oh, Mally? So many. So many. <laughs> um, well, first and foremost, I probably shouldn't tell you guys this. So yeah, tell us that. that. Whatever okay. you don't want to tell us, oh. tell us that. I actually don't have an actual license to oh my God. Um, put makeup on people. I <laughs> 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 so, 
here's the, the thing. I'll tell you just long story short, because, the, the, you know, I always find that these are the mistakes, the accidents that become the biggest dreams of our lives. So long story short, I am a daughter of Filipino immigrants. Thank you. Filipino! Okay. Um, <laughs> Filipino immigrants, doctors. Uh, I grew up, you know, in the Catholic Church and, and, you know, wanting to be a doctor like my parents. But I always had this passion, this, this thing in my mind that I love beauty and fashion and women and girls. I'm a girl's girl, man, to the core. Like, I love all of it. And, uh, uh, but, but I always wanted to be like my parents. And I said, well, I'm going to go to medical school. Well, I, I, I got there. Oh, it was not for me. <laughs> no. I was like, they had the body. I was like, can we just put lip gloss on them? Because they could use a little help. Um, but, but I said, you know what? I, I'm going to stop all this. I am going to uh, follow my passion, and I'm going to go into the beauty world. That said, I'm 47 years old. This was many, many years ago before they had YouTube and beauty schools and all that stuff. So I literally just hit the road. I went to every job. I did everything. But I, and, and by, you know, hustle, yeah. I ended up getting all these jobs and meeting all these people. I lived in New York City, and I just weaseled my way in there and got gigs. Well, next thing you know... I mean, it's kind of a long story, but then I'm standing in front of Beyonce. I love, I love that that's the, the arc. Yeah. Like, I just got in the door, and then Beyonce. Yeah, it wasn't really like that. She has a book. You can yeah. read the full journey. <laughs> it's, that's kind of... But the point is, in with all that, I never went to beauty school. So I never uh, got a license. I never did. So that is the number one reason why I probably shouldn't be, aside from the fact that when I decided I wanted to start a makeup line, I didn't know how to do any of that. I didn't know about production. I didn't know. I just knew that I knew what women wanted, and I knew I could sell it to them. That was all mm. that I knew. But other than that, all the other stuff underneath that everyone tells you you have to know, I didn't know any. And so I guess I'm going to go. <laughs> Lisa? Um, yeah, I was, as mentioned earlier, brought up in a very traditional Greek family. So even though I had all these big dreams about being in the movie business, and I wanted to be the first film, filmmaker, a female filmmaker to win an Academy Award, um, I ended up getting married and kind of slipping into what I'd been taught my whole life. And so I, for eight years, was a stay-at-home wife. And I don't think that's bad at all if you choose that. It's just, for me, I didn't feel like I had chosen it. I felt like I was kind of put into that place. Um, until my husband came home one day and was like, hey, we're starting this company. Do you mind just giving us a hand? I was like, sure. You know, I wanted to support my husband. So we're cutting Quest protein bars with knives and rolling pins. And we're literally sealing them by foot one after another. And um, he's like, would you mind just shipping them? Because we're all busy. So I was like, no, that's no problem. So I'm shipping them from my living room floor. Um, not recognizing or not realizing we would go at 57,000%. So when you go from shipping bars, you're making 2,000 bars a day by hand in eight hours to making 1.5 million bars a day, um, it really was, I almost didn't have a chance to stop to have that negative thought in my head take over. Mm -hmm. And because our house was on the line, so if we failed, I lost my house. So, so explain that really quick. Your house is on the line, how? So when we started the company, we're like, 
do we do this? Like, if we're going to go in, we're going to go all in. Because for me, I'd rather take a chance and fail than be 90 on my deathbed and wonder what if. And the one thing I want to say is my husband and I, we already started five different companies before that. We'd started a real estate company, a photography company, a website domain company, and they all failed. But we all learned something from it. So when it came down to Quest, we really believed in it. We really believed that we could help people with the product we were creating. And so we said, okay, well, this is our all in. And what does that look like? So we put up the house and we said, if we lose, we bought equipment that was $100,000. All the, like my husband's business partners, none of us could afford it. But we went all in with the belief that we were going to make it work. And I think that that was the biggest catalyst for me. It's the belief that you have. It's not whether you can do it right now, but can you do it in the future? And if you believe you can, then you can. But if you believe you can't, you can't. And so I just went in saying, I'm going to do it come hella high water. So when it got to, we're growing so quickly and all of a sudden I'm on the phone to freight companies and imports and exports. And so in two years, I didn't know any of that, guys. My experience was filmmaking. I'd went, gone to university for that. So when it came down to it, I just figured it out. I didn't know anything. It's like a child that doesn't know how to walk. They just figure it out. Yeah, sure, you're going to fall, but eventually you get back up. But we've lost that as adults. And so for me, it was like, just keep going. Yeah. You're going to fall, you're going to fail. But if you can keep going, you can learn. Anyone can learn anything if they set their mind to it and put the time and dedication to it. So the question is, what do you want to learn? And so for me, it was happened to be, I have to learn shipping, otherwise I lose my house. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so like, I'm on YouTube, like how yeah. to ship a big box. See, everything's on YouTube. Where it's on YouTube. Where do I get like a, a palette from? I don't know what a palette is. I have to figure out where do I get it one from. So literally, so in two years, I went from, I was the boss of my two puppies at home to, right, to 40 employees underneath me, um, 10,000 square foot of um, warehouse, and I was um, overseeing $80 million in inventory. Wow. And that was all in two years. Now, the, my message though is, I'm, I don't think I'm anything special. I just stuck with it and I focused and I realized that right now I don't believe in myself, but I could, I could do it. And I had to change that mindset and that belief system that I had in myself. And that's what got me there. Yeah, love that. We pray. Why shouldn't you be here, Luisma? Well, because journalists are not like me. Yeah. Journalists yeah. are very, they have courage. I was full of fears. I was very insecure, but I wanted to be a journalist. And, and I remember in Cartagena, Colombia, it's a small city, 40 years ago, I received Cosmopolitan in Spanish. Mm. And the editor-in-chief of that magazine was Cristina Saralegui, who later became the Hispanic Oprah. And I started reading her, and she empowers me. So I said, I'm going to Miami, and I'm going to study journalism there. And one day, I will meet Cristina. Mm. We have a friend in common. You look how small is the world. And I asked my friend, please tell her I want to work with her. She gave me the job when I was 21. Mm. And when I was 24, well, she became my mentor. Very important lesson. You have to, you can, you can uh, get more things in life when you have a mentor. Yeah. And she became my mentor. When I was 24, she created her own magazine. I was the editor-in-chief at 24. <laughs> oh, my god! was crazy. Now I say thank you, but she was crazy. <laughs> and then 10 years later, 10 years later, we had a fight. 
it, and we had a fight uh, seven days after the 9-11. And I thought she was putting terrorism in my life. Mm. And I quit. Mm. And a friend of mine told me that, do you want to work on television? Although she has her own show, I wasn't in television. I mm. was in print media. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about TV. And I say yes. Yeah. And she told me, you know, you're smart enough. I will teach you things. And thank God I became an executive producer. That wasn't from Despierta America. That was before, uh, after. And I started learning. You have to prepare yourself. You have to study. If you have a passion for something, you have to study. And, and then seven years uh, ago, uh, they took me from that job that I had to be the executive producer of Despierta America, who's the number one show. I, I didn't want it to work there because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> one month before, I had told my mom, poor people who work there, they don't have a life. <laughs> Their Sundays are shorter because they have to go to bed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> one month after, I, having, I was having that life. And it has been the happiest um, time of my life yeah. where, I can, where I can say that I've learned more. So if something you don't know or, or you think you don't like goes to your life, let's try it. Maybe that's the thing that you need to grow. Yeah. So um, now that, I, that I'm sitting here with almost 4,000 women looking at me, I think what I said at the beginning, everything is possible. Um, fear is the is the number one enemy that we have. Yeah, fear paralyzes ourselves. So it's easy to say you have to conquer fear. How do you conquer fear? Just go get it. Go do it like that. Like if you're in an airplane and you open the door and go, Jump. there is no other way. And I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> there is no other way. And if your hand sweats and and, and I have this and, and I'm pretty sure we all have it. This voice inside of you that tells you you don't have time. Who are you to, to write? I have written two books now. Who are you to write a book? You know what I did with that voice? I kill it. <laughs> now, and I, I said, okay, if I create that voice, I create another one. So I kill that. I kill that. Ooh, that's good. On my phone. I create another one who's supporting me, who's telling me, go get, get, get what you want. Get in. I, was, I had fear of flying. Now I have to take a plane almost every month. Yeah. Um, I was petrified like you to be on a stage. Now I am, but I can, like, you know, I, I disimularlo. I don't know how to say that in English. It's like, make sure. it, fake it. <laughs> <laughs> fake friendly. it till you make it. So yeah, fake it until you make it. So let's do it. You yeah, will, yeah. You have to to conquer fear, like being uh, being yourself. Your your the, the enemy of fear. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. So one of the yeah, give it up. I want to dig into that really quickly because I know that when I was younger and I would sit in audiences like this and I would hear people talk about mentorship, I never had a mentor. And I would always feel disheartened because I was like, where, where do these mentors grow on trees? Like, where are you guys finding them? Um, so I will tell my, my history with mentorship and then I would love to hear you guys explain what did mentorship look like when you were younger or what does it look like today with the women who are on your teams? Um, for me, I would get really discouraged about not having a mentor in real life. And so then I decided to find my mentors in the pages of books. I found my mentor 
mentors in podcasts. I found my mentors in YouTube videos. My greatest mentors, most of them still don't know that I exist because I just absorbed all of their wisdom. You don't have to be in relationship with someone every single day to be guided by their wisdom. So that's my thought on mentorship. How about you? Um, yes, I, uh, I was never really good at being an assistant to people. Uh, I got a big mouth. So, um, but that said, I always wanted to learn and I always wanted to. So I, uh, do you guys know, there's a drag queen, his name is RuPaul. Yeah. So when I was a little baby drag queen myself, I was out in the clubs in New York City, and, and, I, and I became enamored of these incredible creatures that were out at these clubs, and they would, drag queens, and they would wear makeup, and they were tall, and they were powerful, and they were amazing, and they were really like the most powerful women I'd ever seen. So uh, I, I would walk up to them, and I, well, there was one in particular who was incredible. It was an incredible makeup artist, and, and I'll never forget, they were dressed as these, like, big James Bond girls with blonde hair, and I was there in my little platform shoes, and I went knocking up to, I, I hit about his hip bone, and I was like, excuse me, excuse me, and, and, and he says to me, yes. And I said, I said, everything that you're doing, like how you, you, you have to teach me. You have to teach me. And I said, and you're going to take me home tonight, and you're going to teach me everything. Now, I think, I have three little girls. <laughs> Could you imagine some 19, I think it was like 18 years old, going home in a cab with three drag queens <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning, over my dead body, girls. It's never happening. But I did it. And I, so <laughs> I soaked up everything. Everything that I knew, but I, very similar to what you were saying is I've always been uh, sort of obsessed with, you know, media and of course, Oprah. And uh, so long story, I'll tell you a quick story. I, when I became a young makeup artist, again, I was hustling, man. I was doing every single job. I was doing rap videos, getting contact high at 4 a.m. in Brooklyn. I was like, I don't care. I just want to put makeup on people. I was putting, I was putting makeup on little kids and babies and dogs. Anyway, I get really, really, do you know they have, well, anyway, that's a different thing. But I ended up going, I got a job doing makeovers at the Oprah show, back when Oprah had her, yes. And uh, they said, you know what, we're gonna, we're doing a show called Bring Your Sexy Back, and you know, we want you to come and do it. Now, I wasn't going on air, I was just gonna be the makeup artist. One of my big things that I do is whenever I go anywhere, have to be anywhere, I am early. I am at least 30 minutes early. I'm the first person there. I don't care whether it's a photo shoot or a TV thing or whatever. Being early shows your passion, shows that you are in it to win it. Mm -hmm. So one time, being very early, uh, paid off. I was standing in the lobby, just me and the security guard, mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden I'm waiting and I hear the jingling of like dog collars, you know, and I was like, oh, dogs, this is fun, I like dogs here, and then all of a sudden I hear, let's go people, and I'm like, <laughs> there she was, that's Oprah's voice, <laughs> and it's just me. And she turns, the, the, the chinkling dogs go running up the stairs, and she comes walking by, and she's in her workout clothes and whatever. And I, and I was like, oh, shit. This is, if I don't say something now, I might never have this. So she's walking up the stairs, and I was like, 
excuse me, Miss Winfrey? <laughs> and she stops. And she doesn't turn around. And I was like, my name is Mally Ronkel, and um, I'm a makeup artist now, and I really love doing makeup. But really what I love is communicating. I love really, like, sharing and teaching, and, you know, you're a communicator. I'm a communicator. I mean, you're a much bigger communicator than I am. But we're definitely here. And the diary of the mouth just flows. And she stops. And slowly, as, I, as I'm talking, she turns around. And she stops, and she leans on the banister. And I... I'm like, ew. <laughs> and she said, what was your name again? And I said, my name's Mally Ronkel. And she kind of leans in and she says, Mally, something tells me that you're going to make it. I know. And, and I was like, ah. And then her and the tinkling dogs go walking away. And, but that was my indication that I was going to make it. Come hell or high water, I was not going to disappoint Oprah. <laughs> okay? That was it. So I carried that in my soul. Every time I was afraid, every time I was failing, every time I thought, I'm not good enough, I said, Oprah told me I am. <laughs> so that was my moment. And that's really what keeps me going, you know? I've got to be the Oprah star. <laughs> <laughs> you should have got lost. All <laughs> oh, right, what story do I have? Um, I think growing up in England, for me, um, Princess Diana was a really big role model. Yes. Um, yeah, she, she really showed me as a young girl that um, no matter how many people didn't believe in you, no matter how many people thought you were crazy, I mean, she was the first royal to ever hold a child that had AIDS and everybody freaked out because they were like, what are you doing? You're going to catch it. And she's just like, no, I have to be here. And so that was really, really impactful on me um, on not listening to people when they tell you no. And I think that that really stuck with me. Um, and then also um, Jodie Foster. She was another really big influence in my life um, because she went from being an actress, just being seen for her physicality, her beauty, um, you know, when she was a kid, to then she went on to produce and direct. And she used that, um, that space and that power that she had garnered to then do something that she really wanted to do. And I think that that's so powerful because a lot of us, and I'm sure you all have stories of the things that you had to do that you didn't want to do. You've spoken about it many Absolutely. times and it's kind of like you do the thing to get to the thing so that really taught me that even if what I'm doing right now may not feel right I may hate it I still keep my eye on that future goal and know what I'm working towards and that gets me through those times yeah uh, I'm curious is my mic so yeah okay I'm curious uh, Luzma uh, because you have such a big team now you have so many women who work with you and underneath you I'd be curious for those of us who are leading teams or leading families what does it look like to be a mentor to the women around you today you know when I, I started being a leader when I was 24 but I didn't know what was to be a leader mm. so now I don't I, I always said I'm not the boss I'm the trainer mm. because I train everybody who works with me and um I'm kind. I'm a cancer, so I'm kind of a mother to everyone. I I, I talk to them the same way I talk in my books because mm -hmm. you have to be congruent of what would you do. I cannot be one person in my books and, and another person as a boss. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I can.
can, I can uh, be very demanding. Uh, my last name is Doria. They call me Control La Doria. <laughs> uh, I'm a control freak, but I think that's a good thing of, of people who have succeeded. You have to control. You have to be uh, vigilant. You have to, to know everything that is going on. So um, I train them. I tell them. Why did I make a mistake? And b before, I said, how would you do it differently? Mm -hmm. I, I make them learn from their own mistakes. And, and I love people to fulfill their dreams. And I, I'm always telling them, I was telling them now that uh, one week ago, I had like 50 people in my boardroom and I told them, are you doing what you wanted to, are, are you what you wanted to be when you were a child? And only like five people raised their hands. Mm. Because sometimes you go other ways because you need the money, but you have to follow your passion. You have to follow your passion. You cannot be a producer if your dream was to be a doctor. It's good to be a producer while you get the money to be a doctor or something, but don't, don't, don't be um, in your comfort zone just because um, you have a job. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think as a leader, we have a very big responsibility with people. It's not just that I'm the boss. I, I, I always says that I don't say the last word, I choose the last word. And, and I'm always uh, training them. I always uh, sending links to them, uh, um, advising them. You have to read this book. You have to meet that person. As you were saying, uh, my mentors doesn't don't don't know me either. You know, I and I have men and I have women. Um, I have a very good story with Oprah because since I since I have yes. And I have Come on. I have to tell Everyone's got an Oprah story yes. except me and you. You know why? <laughs> I mean, you need to tell me. When, I know, clearly. When I was, when, since I have, I have the, the Hispanic Oprah, Christina was a big fan yeah. of her, but I never met, actually, I have never met her. But my, one day she was going to give just one interview in Spanish, and she gave it to us in New York. Hmm. But I couldn't travel because I have another thing in Miami. And you were saying about being, being early, I'm telling you, I, the, the Oprah thing was from my ego. This thing that I have to do in Miami was for my soul. Mm. So I decided I had to stay. So I was in the control room of my show that morning, and I knew that the Oprah interview was coming. So my reporter in New York did it. So I was paying, I, I want to pay attention to this. And suddenly, I saw one of my talent coming into the control room and said, what is he doing here? And I never saw the camera was there. And suddenly I said, Oprah saying on camera, Luzma. I don't remember anymore. I have to watch the video. <laughs> my reporter told Oprah that I was a fan. Aww. And she told me before that she told me, don't tell me how is she normally, how is she with you? And then my reporter told her that I was his spy. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so uh, she re it's in YouTube if you want to watch it. <laughs> and she said something like, Luzma, everybody uh, that works with you speak very well about you. I just want to all those blessings that you gave people to be returned to you. So uh, I learned from Oprah something that is very important. Your intention is what is returned to you. If you do something to help, you will have that help. If you do something to, to serve, the service will come to you. So I, I have learned from you. You are my mentor too. I, I start, I learned how to be more real thanks mm. to you. Mm. This is the first person that I know that shaved, how many, how many here shave your big toe? 
When I read that, it was a Sunday but, at home. I was in my, in my hamaca, and I was reading it. I can't believe I do the same thing. I was happy. <laughs> oh, wait, do you have a mall back? I know. Yeah. That was yeah. a, <laughs> it's always a back mall. <laughs> so, look for your mentor, even in the person, the person who works with you. Uh, like these three ladies here uh, are very famous, are successful, but maybe that person who works with you in your office has a good story. Many stories that could inspire you to fulfill your dreams. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Can we, oh yeah. I'd like to talk about failure because this is something we've covered a lot in our time together. It's something that so many women are living in fear of, but we have committed to failing at something in the next six months. Yeah? Yes. Uh, will you talk about a time in your career or your businesses where you failed in a massive way? Well, how much time do you actually have? Uh, well, you know this by being on QVC. You fail all the time. Yeah. They, uh, I, again, I probably shouldn't say all these no, things. No, say it. I just do. Say it. Um, so when you go on QVC, Rachel, of course, makes her goals all the time. <laughs> but they give you a goal. You have this, you're going to sell this. You have eight minutes. You have to do $20,000 a minute, blah, 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 you know. The, and, and you're very well aware before you walk out there what you have to do to come back, basically. Um, so there have been many times that you walk out there and you believe and you know and you have prepared and I made this eyeshadow. I know she's going to like it. And it's got all the tips and tricks. It's going to make her look like she's had eight hours of sleep. It is going to make her look like she drank water like Rachel Holland. <laughs> okay, it is. I've got all the tips. I've got the best model. We're going to... And then you walk out there and you're selling your heart out and you're teaching your heart out. And when, okay, so Rachel knows this too. When, when you're doing well mm -hmm. in your ear, they're like, oh, girl. I mean, not like that, yeah. you know, yeah. but they're like, oh, they're liking it. Yeah. It's happening. You're, yeah. So you're getting fired up, right? And they're feeding it and it's so good. When you're not doing well, you're like, crickets. <laughs> yeah. Anybody out no, there? Yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the thing, uh, so that's happened to me in 15 years. It has happened many times, countless times. I've had shows that in the middle of the show, they've said, you know what, you can go home. Yeah. Yeah, and you're literally, and you go home crushed. The thing that is, uh, I almost like failing, to your point, every so often, not all the time, but every so often because it resets you. Yeah. It brings you back to a place where you're like, you know what, first of all, you, not to say this in a terrible way, but you can't count on anything yeah. except you, Yeah. right? But even when you can count on you, you can't control all of the things that are going on. Put it this way. We had a show the other day. Um, we were there at 7 a.m. Remember when Meghan Markle and Harry got married? Um, yeah. I had a show during um, that. Nobody watched it. Oh, nobody watched it. <laughs> nobody watched it. Not one. And you just, but you have to sit there, you still give it 110. You still, with no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're selling, no matter what you're creating, no matter what you're writing, you're gonna fail all the time. 
And just so you're clear, when it doesn't sell on QVC, Mally's company is the one who's left with the stock. So a QVC buyer says, we want a million yes. lip liners. Yep. Because they're like, we're pretty sure you can sell a lip liner. And, and you go, okay, cool. Yes. And then if you don't, QVC's like, bye. That's right. They don't care. You're they now don't. stuck with 750,000 lip liners. Exactly. And if you want them, they're in the back of my car. <laughs> and for a deep, deep discount. <laughs> One of the craziest things I have ever witnessed in my life, and it was the day that I became aware of Mally Roncal. So when you go to QVC and you're sitting in the green room, I think I'm, I think I can tell this. I don't know if there's like trade secrets. She said yes. But, so you're sitting in the, you sit in the green room and on the green you can see all the screens. So you can see like QVC and then what's the, what's QVC. Q2. Okay, yeah, so there's, there's multiple things. And so I'm watching QVC, which I'm about to go on. And then the next one, which Mally was on. And I've never seen anything like this in my life. I was, I, I'm not blowing smoke. I, this is absolutely true. I have never seen anyone who is so exceptional at selling and you don't realize you're being sold to because she's so into it. She does it backstage. She's like, oh, let me just do this lip gloss on you. Look, they both have lipstick they didn't have before. All, all three of us are right now wearing Mally's lipsticks, right now. Nobody asked for that. <laughs> and she just does it. And I'm not even kidding. You should just go find footage of her on because it is the most incredible thing. Plus, you're like, why are you so beautiful? Why are all those rings on your fingers? What, is the, what do those letters mean on your necklace? Like, I had so many questions. <laughs> I was like, I need her self-tanner. I need her yellow dress. Like, I remember what you were wearing. I sound like a stalker. So I'm in the green room, and I'm obsessing. And here's the crazy thing about QVC. You can go to the side of the room, and you can see what someone sells are by the minute, all right? I'm not gonna say what your number was. So you can see like the lip gloss that she's selling or whatever, that you can see how much it's doing by a minute. And so I was like, as she's selling, I realize what those numbers are. So I go wander over <laughs> and I'm like, what? What is happening? I'm literally like trying to get Wi-Fi so I can download the QVC app so I can buy. <laughs> This thing that I still have never been able to get from you. Give Thank it. you. You think Anyway, <laughs> oops. What was happening simultaneously is that on the other, I'm in the green room for QVC. So I'm watching this company. And again, a buyer buys in an amount of product. And you're so excited because you're like, this is QVC, this is it. And I'm watching this company with three different products. And the first product goes up and it's not working. And they're about, their whole team's backstage in the green room so fired up and they're watching it's not working. And then the next product goes up and it's not working. And they're watching the numbers and they're talking to the chat. And I'm literally watching someone's business go down in flames in front of me. Yes. Because they have invested all of this money into this thing and it didn't work. Yes. I don't have a great segue out of that. I was just the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. But it, it is, it's, it, it, you know, and, and, and it's really the only place in the world that you can see and feel that either extreme euphoria or devastation. When we first went on, um, I had a first, a one hour show. 
And we had no money. We had nothing. We literally, I had my makeup artist career, and thank you, Lord Jesus, I was like, I can always, you know, I'll live with Beyonce, honey. I have no problem <laughs> with that. But she, you know, uh, uh, but I, I, I knew that this was my passion, that I love you guys. Like, this is what I want. And I always knew. The part of the reason why I was so grateful to have the career working with celebrities was I thought... You know, in my little mind, I thought, wow, this is pretty powerful. Some of the most beautiful, talented, fierce women who are actually just real women, I'm going to tell you, they all got zits, they all got boogers, okay? I'm <laughs> going to tell you that, all right? Um, I mean, well, Beyonce kind of doesn't have any boogers. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, the whole, the whole point is the fact that I was given this blessing to be able to, another thing I want to say why I shouldn't be here, I'm not the best makeup artist. I really believe, I mean, there's zillions of talented makeup artists out there that I can look at their work and I'm like, how did you do that? But I knew that my power was in the love, was in that this woman, who is a powerful, incredible woman, has to go up in front of 40,000 people in a stadium and she's asking me to make her feel good before she goes out and mm. performs. I thought, if she can do that, how can I do that for everybody, mm. you know? And that's where kind of where my passion, my passion lied. Anyway, when I went to QVC, another thing was, uh, at the time, QVC was not the beauty mecca that it is today. In all honesty, I had been the, the, the spokesperson for many incredible high-end makeup lines. I was the spokesperson for Sephora. When I decided that I wanted to start a makeup line, I had this thought that I wanted to be the person to sell it. I wanted to be the person to communicate. So where else am I going to do that? Remember, there was no YouTube back then. I said, there's a place called QVC. And I'm going to go there, and I'm going to teach people how to do it. And every single person in my life, except my dad, because he loves QVC, they said, are you crazy? Like, sorry, QVC, I'm going to say this. You want to sell makeup next to yard art? Like, are you out of your mind? But I knew that that was the place that I could connect. And I did it. So we did the same thing. We put up the house we gave all the credit, we gave all the money, and they said, you've got an hour. We're going to give you an hour. They don't even do that for people anymore. And if we didn't sell out in that hour, I'd be living on 14th and 2nd. <laughs> and I don't mean in an apartment. I mean on the corner. I have a question. Yes. What do you do the day, the, the wedding, the royal wedding, when the, you didn't sell anything? Do you pray? What do you do? Well, yes, I did pray. <laughs> but I also knew... You know, it was the royal wedding. I mean, you're like, okay, guess what? Give me a, give me a hall pass, okay? Yeah. But, but when you don't sell out, you just got to pick yourself up again and every single time. But anyway, long story short, I had one hour. I talk about praying. I walked out there. I gave it all I had. And it was so funny. When you're doing what your love is and what your passion is, your fear is gone. All of a sudden, when you're standing there in that moment, it might be two minutes, but all of a sudden you know that that is where you're meant to be. We sold out in 36 minutes. Oh. Everything. Oh my God. Completely. 
And I went backstage and I said, I get to keep my house. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I think at the end, I forgot what the question was. It was okay. You got it. You covered it. Oh, thank you. Failure, failure. Lisa, tell us about failure. Yeah, it was early days at Quest. Um, we every penny mattered. Every penny. How much are we going to spend on pens? Like, how much are we going to spend on stationery? Things like that. And we had just hired our first crew to make our bars. Up until that point, we were all making it ourselves. And there's three of us in the office, and one of the guys comes in with a hairnet, and he just looks horrified. And we're like, "What's wrong?" And he says, "We've mixed the wrong flavors." Now again, it. It cost $5,000 to make a batch for us at the time, and that was everything to us. And so we're like, well, what did you do? And he's like, well, there was two batches. I was making the peanut butter one, and then I was making the berry one, and I actually got the base of the peanut butter bar, but I actually accidentally mixed it with the flavoring of the berry. And he's like, and it's all ruined, and we're like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And everyone goes in, and we start trying it, and we're like... All right, how do we approach this? We could sit here and go, I can't believe it. We've lost all this money. Oh, my God, it's over. What are we going to do? Or we can change our perspective, and we can say, how can this be good for us? And so, as we're tasting it, we're like, kind of tastes like PB&J. <laughs> oh, that's good! So, we were like, maybe we sell it as our prototype PB&J bar. <laughs> so we had these silver wrappers, so we just blank label wrapped them, we printed out um, the macros and the nutrition, because that's obviously legally you have to supply that with everything, but it was the same because nothing had changed except the flavouring, and we just put a stamp on it and we said PB&J prototype bar, we put it up on Facebook, we said hey we've got a limited amount, we've only got, I think it was like Genius. 400 boxes of this prototype, we're not sure if we're going to go into full um, production of it, it sold out like that. <laughs> um, within three weeks, we had wrappers made and it became one of our top selling bars at the time. <laughs> yeah! I have those, actually. That's really how we good. came about, pure mistake. Yeah. Um, and it really did come down to the perspective that we had. It was, you can see any situation as a really negative one, or you can say, how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me? Yeah. And we just switched our minds then. Because of that, we were able to take an utter failure and make it a complete success. That's a good one, Lisa. Yes. yes. Usma, failure. Um, yes. Um, I'm an employee. How many are here are employees? Employee. Uh, the difference is you have your own companies. Yeah. So, um, like, eight years ago, my boss, I used to be the, the director of entertainment of a network, sister of Univision. So they called me and told me that uh, we have to let go, like, 250 people. Mm. And they were changing all the production. They were going to buy the programs. They were not going to be produced um, in-house. So for me, that was a failure at first because I said everything we did is gone. But now that I look um, to, that, to that time, my mom said that that day I get old like 20 years, that I was like 31 in the morning. And when I got home, I was like 40 or 50 because I, was, I suffered a lot that day. But I learned that you have to work for yourself, not for your company, even if you're working for a company, because mm -hmm. sometimes you give so much love to something yeah. and you don't have the, um, you don't make the decisions, you know, somebody else bigger than you make it for you. That's why it's good that you have your own things. I'm going to do it too, in spite of these three women. So <laughs> I, um, 
I, that day I learned also that the best thing that you can have is the impact, impact on people's lives. Because everybody was crying. It was a, an awful day. And imagine when you lose your job. But now that time has passed, and um, I think the most important thing is that you work. When you shine, the company that you work for will shine too. Mm -hmm. And you have to build your own brand. That's why I became an author. And, and it, was, it was a consequence. Now that I have two books published, it's very accurate because in those books, I have told my story. It, I, I haven't done anything different, but now my name is a brand. Mm -hmm. So you have to do something for, with your name. Your name, yes, is important for a company, but your name is more important for you. Mm. So and those failures, I, I, I don't call it failure now. I call it learning experience. Yeah. It, that, that day, um, it was like God telling us, it's not this way, it's that way. And after that, I, I became the, the executive producer of this morning show. That is where I, I have been the most happiest yeah, in my life. Yeah, love that. So everything happened, not for a reason, as you said, but mm -hmm. to, te to teach you something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about hustle. Let's talk about hard work. Yeah. Uh, because I think all four of us can attest to the idea that accomplishing anything, personally or professionally, is going to take work. These are some of the hardest working women that I know. I don't know any other way except working hard. And I liked when you were telling your story, like, yeah, you became, you did, you got to Beyonce. But in order to learn how to do makeup, I'm guessing you had to take any job, any assistant job, the grunt work, you're moving the things, you're setting up the table, you're doing all. So you guys talk a little bit about the, the hard work, the stuff that people wouldn't assume you used to have to do, or frankly, still have to do. Frankly, still have to do, that's right. Yes. That was, um, that was the thing, because at the time, being a makeup artist was not really a, uh, it wasn't a prestigious thing. Like, you know, we were, you had a call sheet and makeup artist was down under the catering. You know, it's <laughs> like, you're just like showing up to put makeup on people, big deal. But I knew that there was something in there that was was powerful and that could eventually change the world. If my big mouth had anything to do with it, I was gonna show the importance of what beauty could do to women around the world to make them feel more powerful. That was always my thing. That was the end game. Like you were doing your roadmap. My, in my little brain at the time, I was looking at that saying, how can I impact the world with my with 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 beauty or with, you know, what I do. Um, that said, yes, I hit the road. I said yes to everything. I never said no. I did not get paid several times, mm -hmm. right? I would go and do a job. I would end up paying to do the yep. job, right? Because, so many times. Yes, so many times because you just want to be in the space. Um, you know, you, you, you really, at the end of the day, have to realize that every little teeny tiny thing makes a difference. Now, after I had worked a while, I was, um, I eventually got an agent. That's like a whole other story. Everybody said no. Everybody. Everyone slammed the door in my face. Well, I can't, you can't have an agent unless you get more tear sheets. Well, how the hell am I going to get more tear sheets if I can't have an agent? It's the chicken and the egg thing. But I literally would just do everything. That said, I got an agent. He said, listen, you need to do everything that I say. 
And I, I, at that point, I'm 20-something. I'm like, yes, child, I will do everything you say. Don't worry. But we end up uh, getting a job. He says, listen, you're going to go do American Baby magazine. I was like, that does not sound fun at all. <laughs> and he said... Trust me when I tell you, you're going to go do it. You're going to be great. You're going to have fun. You're going to be the Mally that I know. You're going to impact the people. Just go do it and shut up. I said, okay, I will go. And I did the makeup, and I was cuckoo for the baby and behind the camera and shaking the rattle and doing, what the hell am I doing shaking this rattle? But I was doing it, and I did it all. And at the end of the day... The photographer turns to me and said, I have never seen anybody with this much passion, this much hustle. You made everybody in this room feel like they were important. You made everybody in this room feel like this was the cover of Vogue. <laughs> and from this moment on, I am never doing another job without you. Fade out, fade in, we did a cover of Beyonce for InStyle years later. When I say that, it's because you have to do anything. I, my favorite quote from Maya Angelou is, people will forget what you did, people will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. <laughs> and that to me, thank you, is the way I live my life. And that is, uh, that's the hustle, and that's what fuels me every day to this day. I'm nowhere where I want to be, nowhere at all. But you know what? I will always do what I have to do in my heart and then follow everything Rachel Hollis tells me to <laughs> Thank you. Um, to make it happen. Yeah. Lisa, how about you? Um, for me, the act, the act of working hard wasn't that hard for me. Um, I kind of grew up with like that mentality. My dad was always like pushing me, pushing me. But for me, the hardest thing to really um, overcome was my emotions and my self-esteem during those times where I'm trying to save money, I'm saying no to friends, everyone's going out clubbing, partying, going out for dinner, even going to Starbucks. And I was the one that's like, I can't afford to go to Starbucks. And that didn't make me feel good. So as I'm trying to build the company and be an entrepreneur, we've got this big vision of what this company is going to, um, you know, what we want it to be. It was those things that I actually found the hardest. Mm. And in those moments, I was like, this is where people break. The emotion of how it makes you feel, the sacrifices you make, sometimes you may not want to make those sacrifices. It doesn't feel good. So for me, I had to switch that in my head and just focus on what my mission was and then find ways around it. So I would take coffee with me, my home filtered coffee. I would take to Starbucks and I would drink it with my friends. But it was things like that that I actually personally found the, very, the hardest thing in growing the business was the emotional um, uh, sacrifices that I had to make. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question? This is totally off topic, but this is one of my favorite stories you've ever told me. And I hope this isn't, I don't think this is like a private story. I think you would share. We're, gonna, we're about to find out in front of all these ladies. Yes, friends. Yes. So I loved when we were hanging out and you talked about this challenge that you and Tom have to each other, which is no BS, what would it take? Mm -hmm. Will you explain that concept? Because it was like... Yeah, so anytime you start something, especially if you've got grand, crazy ideas, most of the time people are like, that's not possible. Oh, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. And so we like, just take all that away. And instead of saying it can't, how can it happen? 
Like, no BS, what would it actually take for you to get to your dream? Now, that doesn't mean that you're actually gonna do it. You may have to, you know, stab a puppy, which, <laughs> which let me tell you, you're not gonna be willing to do, right? So then, she went dark real fast, real fast. <laughs> not the crowd for that joke. Uh, <laughs> As someone who is obsessed with dogs, too. Saying, she is obsessed with dogs. obsessed with dogs. That's why she said um, that, yeah. But if something like that happens, you're like, okay, I know what it's gonna take. I'm not willing to do it. Cool, I'm gonna move on. But until you have that discussion, until you really lay out, no BS, what would it actually take for you to get there? Do you have to sell your house? Do you guys have to, you know, cut your pay in half? Do you have to move to Australia? Like, all of these things are options. You just choose not to take them. Mm -hmm. But once you lay it all out on the line and you think about are you willing to do it or not, you can then make that decision with utter clarity. Yeah, I love that. Is that good? No BS. What would it take? Luzma, uh, hustle or hard work, what yes, does that mean um, to you? I, I agree with, with, with you when you say that you have to say yes, but you have to learn how to say no too. Mm. Because I was a people pleaser, and I say yes to everything, mm. and then I have so many things to do because I want to uh, be nice. Mm -hmm. So you have to start to learn how to say no and prioritize. When I um, wrote my first book and, and I started giving interviews, the first question always was, how do you do it? You're executive producer, you have a four-hour live show, you're a mother, you're a, a wife. And I say, well, I wake up early, I go to bed later. I even took vacation to finish my first book. Yeah. So um, that makes me think that it's easier to find ways, excuses, to not fulfill your dreams that to create ways to make them happen. You know, I, in my office, 80% of the people get into my office giving excuses for everything. I'm fat because, you know, with this life that I have, blah, 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 I haven't done that because I don't have money. So you have to start um, giving, the time is so important, giving time to, 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 the, to the things that you want to ha have done. And also, you have to, to, to focus. When you do so many things, you, you get into that. It's good to do so many things, but you have to be organized mm -hmm. and enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. When I, in my 20s, I have so many things to do. I was at the office and I was thinking uh, of my baby. I was with the baby and I was thinking of, you have to be fully present. Mm -hmm. Because if you are not enjoying the process, what about if you die tomorrow? Yeah. That's right. That's so good. And most of the time, failure is going to happen. So when it happens, if you're not enjoying the process, it just becomes even worse. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, cool. I, I don't even, I, I don't want to be successful and stress at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I, I, I want to relax. I want to have fun. And for me, my job is part of my life. Yeah. I, I have my phone always with me. I'm connected 24-7 to my passion. That is my job. So um, that hustle is part of the success, but yeah. it can make you sad or angry or bitter. You have to start, I'm, I'm teaching my daughter who's 23, she just graduated from college, that you have to, thank you, you have to, 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 know, to know how to handle the stress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You cannot be sick in the pursuit of your dreams. Yeah. Can I ask, so last question, ladies. Um, what would you have told if you go back in time and you get to talk to your 18-year-old self? What's the piece of advice that you would give her that you wish you had known back then? Um, be 
unapologetically yourself all the time. So I'll tell a very quick story because it's really, it, it defined me that day. So I'm a little extra. <laughs> um, and I've always- The best part about I, you. I was, a honey, I'm an 80s girl, okay? <laughs> so thank you, that's right. And big hair and, la that's girl, that's it. Uh, big hair and lashes and makeup and high heels and nails and all that, you know. I was always like this. My, you know, I got it from my mom. I was always very, a lot and loud and big laugh and the whole thing. So um, I would always go to work like this. And back in the day when I was starting as a makeup artist, right, um, I, it was a very special time. Artists were very artsy. So they like, didn't take showers and like wore jeans and like messy hair. And, like, and a makeup artist who was female never wore makeup. It was a very, I don't know, I thought it was weird. But anyway, so I, but that wasn't me. So I would just go to my jobs and do whatever. I get this gig. This gig is big. It's like with a famous photographer and a great hairstylist. And I have this moment. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to kill it. And I went in and got my heels on and the whole thing doing the high kicks and did pretty makeup and the whole nine yards. And the, the hairdresser, who, who was very kind, uh, sort of, came up to me at the end of the shoot after everyone had left and I was feeling so good. He said, dang, girl, you did it today. You did it. The, everybody loved the makeup and everybody loved you and everybody loved all of it. I said, yes. He said, except, and I said, what? And he stood there, and he kind of said, but this thing, and he like hand scanned me. He said, this thing that you're doing, this hair and the big and the loud and the makeup, and he said, I gotta be honest, everybody was laughing at you. <laughs> and I said, okay. He said, if you really want to be taken seriously, you need to lose this shtick and come back as a real artist. And I said, I was crushed. I went home, and my husband, Phil, who is my life and my rock and everything to me, and I said, Hon I said they were laughing at me. I said, they, they thought I was a joke. And he said, fuck those people. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, sorry. sorry. <laughs> This is like therapy. For I, me. <laughs> I'm coming back every year. <laughs> so anyway, oh, thank you. So, long story short, I'm gonna end it, but I, I, I it stuck in my head. Yeah. And I, I, I believed that guy, and I went to work two days later on a job. Jeans, flip-flops, hair in a ponytail, no makeup. And I showed up, and I didn't perform. I, my makeup wasn't good. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't cheerlead behind the photographer. I didn't give everything I had. And I went home, and I said, mm -mm. I don't care if I'm successful. I don't care if I'm doing Vogue covers. I don't care if I'm doing celebrities. I'll put makeup... I'll stand at a counter all day and put makeup on suburban moms that'll appreciate every bit of it. <laughs> but, but I'm going the way I'm going. Um, and then I went to work the next day, extra double thick lashes. <laughs> double thick. And the photographer said, wow, 
Who are you and what is this? And next thing you know, he took off. He said, guess what? I'm doing a cover of a magazine tomorrow, and I am canceling the makeup artist, and you are it. So, again, I forgot the question. (laughs) No, that was perfect. That was perfect. Thank you. Lisa, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. I get asked it. Um, The real answer is I wouldn't tell her anything. Mm. Because I think... So I came... I was bullied at school, I got teased for my nose, I had braces, I actually wore one of those head braces back in the day, I had the elastic band, <laughs> yeah, it was that bad, yeah, yes, yes. over there, no, um, <laughs> and so I was teased for it, and it, it brought up so many scars, but those scars are what made me who I am today. And I use that as a reminder so that next time someone is cruel on social media, the next time you bump into someone, they're just not nice to you, or something happens in your life that can be devastating, I just use it as a reminder. It's just another scar that's going to make me who I am. And again, it comes back to that perspective on I can see it as something bad happening, or I can say, great, now it's a part of me and I can grow and learn from this. So that's... I love that. Right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I love that question because I always tell my daughter what I should tell me young. So the first thing, Luzma, don't worry too much. All your fears won't become a reality. <laughs> Second, surround yourself with people who elevate you. Those bullying, those, no, no, no. Just people who elevate you. Um, give God thanks in advance for the thing you want to have. I write letter to God. Thank you for what I, I want. Um, don't procrastinate. Do it now. Uh, what else? Maybe um, don't drink too, drink more water. Don't fry under the sun, and don't worry about your big hair. That keratin will be invented. 